shows just you know how would how would we we see people like for example Muslims, and I think a lot of us instinctively just kind of recoil thinking about 9/11 and other things. And Leif is saying, let's what if you looked at those folks through heaven's eyes, as a beloved daughter, as a beloved son. What if I saw the people who are full of tattoos and piercings as not being necessarily scary people, but but uh, but people who God loves as well, that they're sons and daughters, even if they look different from me, even if they look really different from me. So I was wondering whether you'd like to just stop for a moment right now and just um, close your eyes, and we're just going to ask ask. Holy Spirit, for upgraded sunglasses to see the world he loved so much that he sent his son. He must love the world a lot. (laughs) So, So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you upgrade my sunglasses to see the world the way Papa saw it when he sent Jesus. Wow. <laughs> you feel that? Wow, I, I'm feeling it up here. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you help shift us even in the, those deep places from just an automatic response of, of bad or scary to people who are different. Help us to see people and respond instinctually in a different way than we have before. Yeah. Oh. Okay, and what then the third one is what we believe about the future. Well, just when I said that I started thinking of some songs. I bet Brent started thinking of some songs too, like Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow and and Time Keeps On Slipping, Slipping, Slipping. <laughs> Into the future. (laughs) But what do we believe about the future? What What do we think we're supposed to believe about the future? Do we believe that things will get worse and worse, and then Jesus will rescue the remnant of faithful believers who are left? Hmm. I think a lot of people think that's what they're supposed to believe. Or do we believe that the government and peace of Jesus, the Messiah, will increase continually? Wow. And that Jesus will return for a bride who was fit to be his eternal helpmeet. Yeah. What do we believe? But wait. Doesn't the Bible teach that things will get really bad and then Jesus will return? Isn't the late great planet Earth in the Left Behind series based on the Bible? (laughs) Don't I have to believe that stuff? 
I'm going to tell a little bit of my story. Oh, by the way, does anyone remember the late great planet Earth? All right, again, a few of the boomers and older folks. <laughs> and uh, anybody read or, or watch the movie, the, the Left Behind series? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell a little bit of my story. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> That's why I made the print so small, a little bit. Uh, I was a child of the 60s and 70s, and there was a lot going on back then. Uh, we were expecting the Russians to bomb us, so we had regular drills. We went under our desks. Any, guys remember that? Who's around at that time? I'm not sure how much good it was going to do, but we were, we were doing that. <laughs> um, and there were riots. Remember, there were riots, there were assassinations, there, were, there was wars going on. It just seemed like a lot of, a lot of chaos. And um, I remember even myself having a, a vision of uh, atomic bomb going off. And I thought, hmm, I wonder that's, whether that's going to happen soon. And one of the things I did to, in response is I chose pessimism. I decided, well, if I don't expect much, if I expect the worst, then I'm not going to be very disappointed. Did anyone else get tempted to do that at some point in your life? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of works, but you're really just basically hardening your heart and you're kind of walling off the, all, the, all the good that is around you as well, aren't you? Uh, thank God I fell in love with Jesus in college. Woo-hoo. And I had been an agnostic for a while, so I was trying to understand the, this new culture I was now part of. I really loved Jesus, fell in love with him, loved reading the word. But then there were these songs that people were singing at the time, like, I wish we'd all been ready. Anyone remember that one? <laughs> um, then, and, and there was one from earlier on, but I still remembered it. It was called The Eve of Destruction, Barry Maguire. And you tell me over and over and over again, my friend, you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. He wrote that before he became a Christian, but I think that was part of what those questions actually helped him look for the answers. Um, there was another song called the Cossack Song. Anyone remember that one? Uh, it went something about, I wouldn't want to be a Cossack heading down Jerusalem way. <laughs> it, it, was, it, it was based on the late great planet Earth and the other beliefs that, that Russia was going to invade Israel, and that was going to be part of Armageddon. Everybody, people, so I'm just saying that was kind of the, um, that was kind of the, the culture, the Christian culture was, was, was imbued with the late great planet Earth and uh, other teachings like that. Is the birth of Israel back in 1948, within a generation, people expected the great tribulation, Armageddon, the Antichrist. And, uh, I'm going to read a little bit to you. I'll go back a bit so you can look at, look at that little cover again. Uh, from Wikipedia, about the author, uh, biblical, biblical thoughts of the author who wrote The Late Great Planet Earth. And this isn't um, to pick on him. It's, it's just to kind of give you an idea of what he believed and what a lot of other people did because he believed it was biblically based. Um, <clears throat> this is from Wikipedia. You can, you can look this up. Uh, Lindsay teaches that the prophetic 
the prophetic event that officially begins the end times is the regathering of the Jewish people in their ancient homeland to form an independent nation after a prolonged worldwide dispersion. He states that the establishment of the State of Israel in 1948 is the fulfillment of this major prophecy. He also states that the last seven years of the end times is the period known as the Tribulation, which is described in the Gospel of Matthew and the Book of Revelation. Lindsay wrote that these four nation blocks were going to be were identified from, uh, from, from the Bible, Russia and its allies, China and other nations of the Orient, Egypt and other Middle East countries, and then the alliance of the Western European nations. And Lindsay believed that there was going to be, the European Union was going to be this, this ten-horned beast. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. And that out of that, an antichrist was coming. Everybody thought, hey, we've got all this prophecy cooking. We know what's going to go on. We're just going to hold on for the ride. Do you guys remember that, any of you? It was, it was kind of like that, wasn't it? Well, um, it didn't quite work out as expected. Thankfully. Thank God. Um, the European Union currently has 27 nations, not 10. Um, we're still here. Uh, in his later book entitled The 1980s Countdown to Armageddon, Lindsay indicated he believed it was possible that the Battle of Armageddon would take place in the not-too-distant future, stating the decade of the 1980s could very well be the last decade of history as we know it. In Planet Earth 2000, that one didn't quite happen, so he said in the early 90s, he said, Christians should not plan to still be on earth by the year 2000. But if you believed every, every one of those, how would you have lived your life? What would be the fruit of believing these things? You'd put your life on hold, wouldn't you? That's the problem, isn't it? So maybe we weren't getting our biblical interpretation right. Just saying. <laughs> what we believe about the future will shape how we view the world in our life. Would you agree? Chris Valentin wrote a really wonderful book called Heavy Rain. And in it, he says that he was caught up in all this teaching. And he decided not to go to college because he was convinced it's, it's all going to burn. Remember, remember that phrase? It's, all, it's just going to burn. A lot of young people who love Jesus put their lives on hold. Thankfully, some of them grew up to be Chris Valentin. So, Woo. so it wasn't all bad. God, God still redeems us, doesn't he? He still redeems it. And um, there's a, a more scholarly work um, that I, I've just recently bought called Win the World or Escape the Earth? Question mark. It's by two Brits. And so if you want to go into more kind of biblical analysis of those passages that were, were understood from Hal Lindsey and other folks is, is, me, is making those prophetic pronouncements they made, uh, to see another, other biblical views, that's a really good book to look at. So again, what lenses am I seeing through? Holy Spirit, where do you want to give me and everyone here an upgrade in how I see? Help me to see you, Abba, more clearly and more fully. Help me to see the world, the future, and myself 
more the way you do. In heavy rain, yes. Oh, I was behind. Thank you. Thank you, Brent. Got my back. <clears throat> Chris Vallotton, hold on to your seats, believes that God creates human history through our agreement. Whoa. And here's some, here's some uh, passages from his book. The way God creates history is by anointing people to see the future with his perspective and call it into existence. And he uses, uh, he uh, references Romans 4.17, which says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, that's referring to Abraham, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And there's many, there's many other passages that he references in there as examples. It doesn't mean that this is the only way that um, God creates his, the, uh, the future, but he likes, he likes to show his sons and daughters what he's doing, and, and we have a part in proclaiming that for prophesying into the future, for prophesying, prophesying to future generations even. Many of you may know that one day uh, Chris Vallotton was in uh, the prayer room and God started speaking, speaking to him about prophesying and declaring over his generations, his, his children's 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 children, and then on out, people he would never see in his life. And that's part of what has gripped him and it's starting to grip me too, is, um, is prophesying and declaring over their lives, the future generations for us personally, for our own progeny, but as well as just the generations as a whole. It doesn't mean you have to have kids to do this. So we have this opportunity to show love for generations to come. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our sons and daughters forever. So the things that he reveals, the things that he shows you about the future, you get to act, you get to speak into, you get to prophesy, you get to declare, you get to own. They belong to you and your generations. Chris goes on to say, prophetic revelation unlocks the hidden treasures that are to be handed down from generation to generation. But in order for us to prophesy, I'm sorry, again, I missed it. There you go. <clears throat> in order for us to prophesy and thus lay a foundation for a multi-generational inheritance, we must believe that there is supposed to be a future. That's a good word right there. Yeah. I think I might read that one again. That was such a good word. You want to hear it again? Yes. All right. Thank you, Chris. Prophetic revelation unlocks the hidden treasures that are to be handed down from generation to generation. But in order for us to prophesy and thus lay a foundation for a multi-generational inheritance, we must believe there is supposed to be a future. Yeah. More from Chris. In the winter of 2007, the Lord spoke to me saying, the spirit of fatalism and the spirit of martyrdom 
are holding back the apostolic age. And I think that goes back to some of the things that many of us believe from the 60s and 70s, where we just, we just read our Bible thinking that there's going to be a tribulation, it's just going to get worse and worse, and then if we're one of the fortunate ones that signed the contract, we'll be beamed up by, by the great Scotty in heaven <laughs> before it gets really bad. <laughs> Scotty, it would be a really good time right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but having that attitude that things are just going to get worse and worse, that the world is just going to burn up, um, and that we're just, we're just supposed to, um, the best thing we can do is just die, basically, the spirit of martyrdom. It holds things back. Now, is there a time when, when we may be called to lay down our lives because we love Jesus? Yes. But are we helping things any by, by living every day expecting that that's going to happen that day? No. You see what I'm saying? If, if we just hold that as our main thing we're focusing on, is, is fatalism and martyrdom, then we're going to miss the things that God has for us to prophesy about the future and the things he's calling us to, to build as entrepreneurial sons and daughters. Chris goes on, the church is notorious for using fear as a primary motivation to get people to come into the kingdom. He doesn't pull punches, does he? <laughs> if you've ever met him, that's the way he is in person. <clears throat> And it's so true, isn't it? How many people got saved because they heard a message that if they didn't, they were going to go to hell or the world was going to burn up soon and they better, they better get their ticket punched. And um, how, how well did that help them stay in the kingdom when they came in that way? Did anyone know anyone who came in that way? Usually... Once, they, once the fear started going away, they kind of got into other things, didn't they? It's not a good foundation. Chris goes on to say, it's actually the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So it is very difficult to keep people in the kingdom who have been driven there predominantly by a fatalist eschatology. Okay, eschatology is just a big word that means study of the end times, Okay. And Chris also asks, did Jesus give us a prayer, the prayer, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but never really intended for us to believe that? I don't think so. <sighs> if Jesus gave that prayer for us to pray, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it sounds like he wants something to change here on earth. <laughs> A lot of things to change on earth. Another one of the things that Chris says in this book is it seems like our eschatology, our assumption about the end times, uh, is messing up our ecology. <laughs> and that's true. I, I would have to say that for a long time, Christians thought the world was just going to burn up, so who, who cares what we do to the land? Was that a good thing? No. Does God care about the land? Yes. Oh, there's a lot of scriptures about that. And he talks about healing the land has to do in part with, with people repenting, doesn't it? Changing their way of, of, uh, of treating each other and the land and God. 
seeing with a father's eyes. Again from Chris. I know that I can't stay in the end-time theology that is stealing my children's future, instilling fear as the primary motivation for serving the Father and undermining the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. Yeah. So that's Chris as a father seeing for his children and his grandchildren and their children. And it's also, I believe, seeing through our Heavenly Father's eyes as well. Related to this, I'm concerned about uh, Christian friends of mine who are riveted by various conspiracy stories on the internet. Has anybody gone down any of those um, Alice in Wonderland uh, rabbit holes themselves? <laughs> we'll talk later about whether that's fun. <clears throat> um, there's a bunch out there, and I, I don't encourage you to go look at them. So I'm not even going to name the subjects, except to say that um, uh, some of them seem biblical. They, they deal with subjects in the Bible and saying that this is what's happening, and we need to be really concerned about it. We need to do something about it, and you need to be aware, and you need to study, and you need to keep on reading more and more about this. It's, it's um, a spirit, again, a spirit of fatalism, and a mistaken sense that the Bible teaches us to expect things will only get worse. If you think, hey, it's just showing that things are going to get worse, and the Bible tells me that, well, I guess I just need to study this because it's agreeing with the, with the general direction of the world. And this mindset makes people more susceptible. In other words, the, the fatalistic mindset makes people more susceptible to that, to these stories. I, I want to honor these friends. A lot of the ones that I'm aware of have gone through huge trauma in their own lives. And I think that at some point in their life, just the kind of that easy, peaceful feeling that we're supposed to have about life got ripped away from them. And so they just expect that bad things are going to happen, and they're, they're just doing all they can to scan the environment to, to pr- protect themselves. Am I making sense? Yes. So I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't blame them, I'm not down on them, but um, I'm just concerned that more and more people, as time goes on, may be, may be sucked into the same thing. So, is this, is this hitting or is this going like this? Okay, good. We can easily be hooked by fear. God created fear, did you know that? So it's not all bad, he created it. He created us with all the emotions, including fear. Fear of hot stoves. Anybody get, get that when they were a, were a kid? That was actually helpful, wasn't it? <laughs> fear of a wild beast nearby? Even the clean fear of God helps us respond swiftly to dangers. But unless we know experientially and trust the Trinity to keep us on the path of life, it's easy to slip into looking to fear and the spirits of fear to keep us safe. We don't want that. But a lot of us accidentally do that, don't we? A big one uh, that, again, I think people hooked on internet conspiracy stories is um, the fear of being deceived. 
Some believers take the warnings in the Bible to not be deceived as their prime directive. Is that our prime directive? If we think that's our major job that God's given us, then we're going to continue to look for and focus on evil conspiracies and deceptions. And it can also result in, um, easily result in the feeling elite. Like, I know what's going on and most of the world doesn't. There is a rush of adrenaline that happens when we feel fear, don't, doesn't, don't we? You ever had that happen, that rush? That rush is associated with stress and fear, and it's designed, that adrenaline is designed to help us either fight or run away. <laughs> but we can get addicted to that too, and I think that's what's, what's happening to some of us, is you just get another rush of fear and another rush. And I think that's why some people get addicted to, to horror films too. Okay, so enough about the, the bad part. I want to give you some keys for life, of life. One really, really important thing is that not all truth in the scriptures has the same weight. Is that a shock to some folks? That's really important. If you think everything in the Bible is weighted the same, then, um, then you're going to think every scripture has the same um, importance in your life. And that may drive you crazy. Uh, Chris Valentin, again, had the revelation from God that not all, not all scriptures are equal. And, but you can see that in the Bible. The Bible is clear about what God's priorities are. If you read the Bible, he'll tell you. Like, he tells us what the greatest commandments are, doesn't he? he, uh, he t- what, so, what is the greatest commandment? There you go. Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, or as, as, I, love, as I love you. What's the greatest motivation? Is it fear of deception? What is the greatest motivation? Love. love. Oh. And what, what is the main thing that Jesus is asking his Father for? That we may be one. That's right. <laughs> and how are we saved? Is it by avoiding deception? Is it by keeping, keeping everything, making sure we, we don't get fooled again? No. What is, what is, how are we saved? It's by grace. <laughs> it's a gift. <laughs> and, and we just receive that by trusting in Jesus. For for uh, and his sacrifice for us, right? So is this helping you see the difference? And what mission has Jesus given us? The Great Commission. It's the Great Commission. That's right. Uh, go and make disciples of all ethnos, of all people groups, all nations. So here's my encouragement to you for your sunglasses. Keep the main and plain of Scripture, the main and plain of your life. True relationship with Jesus, with Father God and Holy Spirit, genuine love and kindness towards people, and a bridal perspective. So 
I want to talk a little bit about bridal perspective. In fact, that was actually spoken about. That was the, uh, that was the prophecy that uh, Roland had for Nori and the, and the congregation. Thank you for sharing that. Fit in great with this talk, so thanks. <laughs> I think it was really more on God's, on God's plan than mine. Have you ever thought, have you, had, how many of you read like Dear Abby or Ann Landers or any other, other of the, uh, the gossip, um, excuse me, the advice columnists? Anybody read those? Am I the only one? Oh, <laughs> I see one. You guys are, okay, a few, a few hands. <laughs> um, some of the interesting things you run into is, is uh, uh, someone's writing in, part of a couple, part of a married couple, and uh, they said, well, my, my husband was really attentive before we got married, and then he seems to have lost complete interest in, 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 st- in the relationship. You ever read that? Or, or my wife really kept herself beautiful, but then once we got married, she really doesn't want anything to do with me. You ever read any of those? <laughs> and, and sometimes it seems as though some, some Christians think that that's, that's kind of what we get to do, or we're supposed to do um, in, our, in our bridal relationship with Jesus. You know, we, we, uh, we, we sign on the dotted line, we give our life, our ticket to heaven is punched, and now we can do whatever we feel like instead of continuing to nurture the relationship. We just get to check out. Do you think that's what Jesus is after? <laughs> I can tell you it doesn't work good in normal human marriages. It's definitely not going to work in this one. So I just want to encourage you to have a bridal perspective, to be continue to be in love with the one who loved you first to uh, treat each day uh, as a romance and enjoy the romance enjoy the romance it's not because you have to <laughs> it's not because you're trying to get your just barely make it over so that you're you're okay it's because this is the greatest gift in the world to <laughs> to, to to have a love relationship with Jesus to have that perspective. So many times we're tempted to game um, whatever system we're, we're, we're facing. And some, I think, off, honestly, some folks have tried to game uh, being a follower of Jesus by just tell me what the minimum is I need to do. It doesn't work in a relationship. Love works. Romance works. Being tender, being vulnerable, being extravagant. Those, those, those work really well for a relationship. So I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. Jesus said he would. Again, when you read scriptures... And when you look at the world, receive the sunglasses the Holy Spirit gives you. Read things, ask him to give you his, his view of what you're reading. Have, help him to, ask him to help give you his view on what you're looking at, what you're seeing, what you're reading in the world, what you're watching in the world. And if a section of scripture isn't clear, ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to take in this time from that section. Look at the context, summarize what is clear to you.
Does that help? He's, he, hello? There we go, back again. He's, he's the one. If we, if we just depend upon our minds to understand, we're not, we're going to miss the, we're going to miss the good stuff, aren't we? And we're going to start looking at things with the, the filters and the assumptions of, uh, of not God, but, uh, but the world, and, or sometimes even some of our own assumptions that haven't been cleaned up yet. So read and watch with the Holy Spirit. And again, let the main and plain things in Scripture be the main and plain things that you focus on in your life. So I just want to review the importance of how we see God, how we see the world around us, what we believe about the future, and how we see ourselves. That's the last one of the list. That's one of the toughest ones, isn't it? how we see ourselves. We've done some exercises in the elder team, and I think it was also done um, with Kingdom Training or Transform, where we just started declaring what God has said over us to each other. And that is, that is really um, unnerving to when you start doing that. But... True humility is agreeing with what God says. <laughs> Whether it's about you. <laughs> you can say amen. True humility is agreeing with what God says. So here's some really good questions to ask regularly. Father, how do you see me? That's part of getting your sunglasses working right. Father, how do you see me? You could do that every day and journal what you get, and you'll get something different. What do you want me to know about myself? There's a lot of things he wants us to know. He is the one, our Father. Father God is the one who gives us our identity. And what upgrades do you want to give me so I can live more fully as a daughter or a son? So I encourage, invite you right now uh, to close your eyes, and we're just going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to ask the middle question: What do you want me to know about myself? So I just invite you to say that out loud. Just say, Papa or Abba. What do you want me to know? about myself.
the most important thing is not to dismiss or push away his love and what he says. And if you've received, finished receiving, I'm going to, I believe you, everyone's received something, but when you finish receiving, I invite you right now just to turn to a neighbor and take turns. It's always good to take turns. Not everybody can speak at the same time. <laughs> just share what you just heard because that's going to make it more real. And if you're not sitting near someone, find somebody and share, share it with them. You can share with three people if there's not two nearby, but share. Find somebody. Get up and, w and walk. If you're still in the first person, I encourage you to switch off to the next one. Yeah, the water table's rising, isn't it? You can feel more of the spirit. So if, if you're done, I just encourage you just to uh, declare that over yourself one more time, what you just heard. And you, you can also just ask Papa the first question. If you're, if you're uh, feeling slightly bored, go for, the, go for another one of those questions up there. Fa Father, how do you see me?
Uh, just the one question you're sharing, but if you want to ask another one, you can. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be, uh, we'll be pulling this back in just a minute. Was that good? Was that good? And you know, after, after this little talk is done, you're welcome to share more with each other, okay? In fact, I encourage you to. Thank you. I have a, so I do encourage you to ask those, que- those questions and more regularly. When we ask God questions, open-ended questions, we ask Jesus or Father God or Holy Spirit questions that don't have yes or no answers, then we're much more likely to hear something interesting. If we ask questions that are answered, it can be answered yes or no, then we're just going to bounce between the two of them going, hmm, 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 hmm. So open, just say to yourself, say out loud, God likes open-ended questions. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> He really does, and when we do so-sos, we are often trying to find ways to phrase things in an open-ended way so people don't feel like they're being led to an answer that they're looking for God to say. Got a few more tips for you. Tips for staying on the path of life. If you look real closely, that's the back of my beloved Susan. I'll follow her anywhere. encourage you to consider the fruit of what you're engaging in. Stop and consider the things that you are focusing on and where your heart is engaged. This is again looking for that sunglasses upgrade. This is part of that. Consider what you are focusing on and what your heart is engaged with. What is the fruit of that or what will be the fruit as you continue on those paths? Not all paths lead to life, by the way. So in, um, in the tradition of, of Lonnie, who was so willing to share what, what he was working through with God, um, a while ago, I felt like I got arrested for something that um, I was focusing on. I get, I'm kind of addicted to surfing the internet for news. So he's speaking to me too. <laughs> <laughs> what's the fruit? <laughs> well, some, you know, you can say, well, I'll pray about for the world events that are going on, and that, that's, that's good, you know, there's, there's a place for that, but what if it's crowding out other things that would be more fruitful, right? So, so I encourage you to consider, are the, are the, with God, um, what you're focusing, what you're engaged with, and what the fruit is what the fruit seems to be or what it's, it's, uh, it's going to be if you continue. Also want to point out that fear, elitism, obsession, general distrust, a bunker mentality, for example, aren't fruits of the spirit. <laughs> so just in case you thought maybe, maybe some of the fruit was, was, was good, if it's any of those, probably not. <laughs> And, and honestly, because of some of the, of the uh, things that people are, are fearful about, uh, you can get a bunker mentality if you aren't careful. But how does, how does having a bunker mentality work for fulfilling the Great Commission? A bunker, a bunker, 
It's not Archie Bunker, it's a different bunker. <laughs> um, a bunker mentality is where, is where, it's where a bunker is a, a place that is, is supposedly um, protected. It's hardened from being bombed out. So if you go into a, like a, a, it's like a bomb shelter. Okay. So sorry about that. Thanks for asking. And I also want to point out that all kingdom matters, as Papa Leif told us, are matters of the heart. Matters of the heart. All kingdom matters are matters of the heart. That's a really good one right there. Another, another tips for staying on the path of life. Allow the Holy Spirit to train your brain. What we are looking for is what we notice. And, and Dan McCollum talked about this, if you were there for, I think it was the Saturday morning talk talked about the, uh, our reticular activating system, a part of our brain that, act, that lets us know whether we should pay attention to something. So and he used the example, you know, if you've ever bought a car or a truck and suddenly you notice all the other cars or trucks are the same kind that you're driving. <laughs> Particularly true for Prius drivers, I think. But, <laughs> but, but you're suddenly keyed in on that, and that's... And that's that's kind of how our, part of our brain works is we can't pay attention to everything that's coming in. So certain things we say, hey, if you see this, let me know. That's kind of, kind of the direction we've given our reticular activating system. So if we're just looking for what's crummy, what's getting worse, what's discouraging and depressing, we're going to find it. Instead, as, as again, as Dan shared um, from Philippians 4.8, let what is true, what is noble, what is lovely, what is pure, capture your attention. Does that mean we just ignore everything that's not pure, lovely, noble, and true? No, but we can ask the Holy Spirit to alert us. Say, Holy Spirit, please alert me to any dangers or evil that I need to see. And then show me what I should do in response with your wisdom and your power. So the Holy Spirit knows all things. He knows what it's going to be important for you to pay attention to you. And there's a bunch of stuff it's not important for you to pay attention to, but you can waste a lot of your life being worried about it. I was a class A worrier for many years. You've probably heard of that if you've ever heard me speak. I was sure that my worrying was earning me worry points somewhere. <laughs> kind of the S and H green stamps of worry. <laughs> and I was sure I was going to get to cash them in with God at some point. I was sure that worrying was one of, the, one of the virtues that God was going to reward. And it was a shocking thing. Susan tried to tell me this for years, but I didn't believe her. It was a shocking thing when I finally realized I couldn't cash them in. God didn't, God didn't care. Not only that, he was really bored with <laughs> all my worrying. <laughs> and... 
And it didn't protect me one bit. And it didn't make anybody better. Now, if I had taken my concerns and prayed for, about them and released them to God, that would have been a good thing. So ask the Holy Spirit. In fact, we can just do that right now. Just say, Holy Spirit, please alert me to the dangers and evil that you know I need to see. And help me with your wisdom and power to deal with it as you show me. Mm. <laughs> wow, feel that. <laughs> I think some of us just freed up a bunch of mental energy and attention to more fruitful things. <laughs> One of my favorite scripture passages is uh, is Second Timothy one seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> sometimes we think that we're supposed to live out of fear because that's been kind of our natural way of of dealing with things, but that's not what our heavenly Father has for us. And um, I'm going to have, and, sh and shortly I'm going to have the uh, ministry team for tonight come forward. And I just want to express my gratitude for the, for the ministry teams and all that you did uh, last weekend at the uh, healing conference. You, you are wonderful. And by the way, if any of you want to join the ministry team, we are working on um, a new training for that. So think about that. I think this is a good time to at least mention this to you because a lot of you got activated at the healing conference and you want to you have more practice and experience praying for folks. Well, you get to do it anywhere you are, as Lonnie said. Um, but we will be having more training and you will be able to have that ongoing experience if you'd like. Um, assuming that um, everything, everything is lined up right. So, um, ministry team, would you come forward for tonight? I, I want to encourage you, especially if you think you might have partnered with the spirit of fear, you can come up, you can pray with someone in, in the seats, or you can come up and ask for help from the ministry team to, to be relieved from, by the, from the spirit of fear. <laughs> and so I'm just going to speak a blessing. I thank you for, um, for the upgrades that you gave us tonight, Holy Spirit, Father God, Lord Jesus, and, and help us to stay wearing and using those sunglasses to see you, Father God, and Jesus, and Holy Spirit, to see the world, to see the future, and to see ourselves. I ask that you seal all that you accomplished tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.